Hello and welcome to the Green Pod podcast. Tonight we will be reviewing our nil-nil draw with the other lot from SW6. Um, before we get into tonight, I think we should, I just want to update you on reports that Mudrick and Maduiki still have not left Kenny Tete's back pocket. Um, however, we will keep you updated with these reports um, and see whether they do eventually manage to escape. Um, tonight, I am joined, as always, by Tom. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. That was a good intro. I like that one. <laughs> Very creative. The, the best it gets, really. Um, yeah, I think we should just get straight into it, really. Um, what? G- just give us your overall reaction from um, from the game. Um, what did you make of it? Oh, yeah. Just, I just don't think I've ever been that buzzing over a nil-nil draw in my life, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just to a man. They, they, you know, every single person on the pitch was, you know, they they were warriors. Every single one of them. Um, yeah, just you know, running out of superlatives for certain players. Willian, Joe Palinia. I mean, if Kenny Tete is worried about Cedric taking his place, then you know that's the answer, isn't it? What he did yeah. on Friday night, he was incredible. I think it's the best right back performance I've ever seen, to be honest. I'm putting it up there, you know, with performances from players like Cafu and Zanetti and people like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, yeah, just running out of superlatives. I, I, it was a great, great advert for this Marco Silva side. Like coming into the game, Sky were, you know, they were so biased. They were, you know, Chelsea this, Chelsea that, Chelsea have spent, you know, Enzo Fernandez, Mihailo Mudrik. But it was all about Fulham on the night for me. Be honest, mm. Chelsea didn't didn't lay a glove. I know, I know, Havertz went through and hit a post, um, but other than that, I can't think of anything. Oh, and the the one that Ream cleared, cleared off the line, but yeah, other than that, you know, I can't think of anything really where they troubled us. Um, will be, I think, in the end, we had more more shots on goal than them. Um, <laughs> Mitro's uh, effort from halfway line if that had gone Whoa, in would have been some extraordinary goal yeah not just that I think it would have probably gone down as <laughs> one of the greatest moments Re- reeks flashback to Nico Williams crossbar hit last season yeah um, I think Pereira had a good effort that you know snapshot from the edge of the area Palinia got booked early on for a, a, you know what I thought was a, a Mason Mount dive to be perfect, perfectly honest there's plenty of them he then he then just tempered his performance. Didn't put didn't put a foot wrong for the rest of the game, and yeah, it was just it was just brilliant. And just to you know to to see all the Chelsea fans having a meltdown after the game on Twitter was <laughs> you know, the, per- the perfect tonic for the evening. I think absolutely, the admin, the Fulham admin on Twitter certainly deserves a shout out for rattling the Chelsea fan base as well shortly after the game. Um, but yeah, as you said, there were ten out of tens all over the. All over the field, and I think our backline was immaculate and yeah, solid performance all round. And I think another point on the board, um, it's definitely a reason to be cheerful, don't you think? Brilliant, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, you know, another step in the right direction. Um, I know we're going to discuss it later about uh, scoring goals at the moment, but I think when you look at the performances we've put in, conceding four goals since returning from the World Cup compared to what we conceded before the World Cup, shows the hard work is paying off on, on the training ground. 
Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the teams we've played, we've played Chelsea twice, we've played Spurs, we've played Newcastle, um, all in that time as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it can only bode well for, for the future for this team. Diop, Diop's growing in stature. A lot of people um, questioned whether he should have been dropped for Friday night. Well, he certainly answered those questions with his 70-yard storming runs past Bobby Reid on the mm. right wing, didn't he? So he, he gave everything, cleared everything away with his head. Green was an absolute rock as usual. Robinson was terrifying Reese James for 60 minutes. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was just a brilliant performance. And yeah, Marco and his team again, just, you know, he's a genius and they deserve all the credit coming their way at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a performance to definitely be proud of. Um, with plenty of positives to carry forward. So, um, yeah, r- really happy with it, to be honest. Um, you, you've kind of linked nicely in with, with the lineup there. Um, what, what was your reaction to the lineup? And obviously, Solomon, who we all expected what was going to start or should have started at least, he didn't make the starting 11. Um, and Marco stuck to his um, reliable Bobby Reed and Willian on the wings. Um, do you think Solomon could have made an impact for Fulham early if he was, if he started? Um, I do, but you know, it's all, it's all hindsight now. I think, I think we discussed it on the preview and I said to you, I don't think that he'll drop Bobby Reed, but I'd like to see him do it. Um, and it turns out that, you know, Bobby Reed put in, out, put in another 10 out of 10 performance. Um, and yeah, it was just a really good performance by him again. He never puts a foot wrong. He's tenacious he doesn't stop running so you know for, for Solomon to get that place it's going to be it's going to be hard for him but you know we we love the fact that we've got the depth he came off the bench and produced the moment of the match in my opinion with his Cruyff turn on the touchline um perfection and yeah I think Kai Havertz um I think his soul left his body as he went past <laughs> him <Got a laughs> just dropped his head it was so yeah. funny yeah Absolutely. um so should Solomon have started? I think if we were going to be more attacking, then yes. But I think, you know, Marco probably made the right decision sticking with the team that he, he knows. Um, and, yeah, I think Bobby Reid proved that, you know, that position's his and it's his to his to keep at the moment. So, yeah, it was a good, good decision in the end. Um, I think, you know, we touched on the Diop thing. I think... Again, a lot of people question whether Tosin should have come in. I think Tosin played the reverse fixture at the cottage. Mm. Um, but again, you know, Diop made the position his own, cleared everything away that came near him. He was anticipating through balls, cutting things out. Like I say, making 70-yard runs down the wing. Um, so, yeah, the, the selection ended up being spot on, in my opinion. Um, yeah, it really showed that our um, back line were playing as like a big one unit, which is the main thing um, in a team. Yeah. Like Chelsea looked a little bit disjointed at times, I thought. Um, and yeah. yeah, rightfully so. You know, they they've just thrown three hundred million uh, x amount of players, and they've gone go mm. and win us a game, and it's just it's, it's stupid. Sometimes yeah. having you know a, a unit, a together unit, is better than just having individual quality. So and it proved it proved on Friday night, you know, the 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 after the game that you know the pundits were all waxing lyrical about our two banks of four and you know the fact that they, they just couldn't break us down. And mm. it, 
it's right it's true it's, it's work on the training ground it's knowing what it's uh, you know it's Tim Ream knowing what Anthony Robertson's going to do it's uh, it's Diop knowing what Kenny Tete is going to do it's it, Paulinho and Reed. you know Reed was absolutely outstanding he was everywhere on the park you know and again if Lukic wants to come and make that his position then he's going to have to 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 do something pretty special to take Harrison Reed's place so definitely and it is these are all great great things that you know great questions that Marco is going to have to answer going forward because we've got a little bit of depth and there's players that are now going to be knocking on the door so hopefully that will push performances on to another level yeah definitely I mean it was um Marco's 400th game he managed um on the weekend and as he said in the um post-match interview he was he was very proud of the team um and I think I think it goes to show that we're a squad full of quality and there's plenty of competition for places across the team um and again I think it will be quite difficult for for some of our players to to hold on to hold on to some of our players come the summer um considering considering how well we're playing um I think we've I think we've kind of answered the question a little bit or we've touched on it because I think we'll be in agreement with this but we're going to give uh, just give us your man the match from the game. Um I mean like like we said at the top of the show it, it could have been any of them really. Um because they all did their bit. Uh you know Palinia like I say got booked earlier on and then he just ran the show, you know, 100 million Enzo Fernandez didn't have a sniff really. Conor Gallagher looked completely out of place. You know, didn't look good enough in the midfield at all. Um, Harrison Reed alongside Pellini was tenacious, mopping everything up. Uh, Willian rolled back the ears to, you know, glide past Chelsea defenders. Um, but, you know, it has to go to Kenny Tete because he pocketed Madrid. He went off at half-time with his cold, bless him. Hopefully he gets oh, better yeah. Throw him the um, tissue. Enjoy, be all right. Yeah. And then Madueke came on and they had to switch him over to the other side because he was getting no joy out of Tete. Then Sterling came on and he got no joy out of Tete. And towards the end, I think Kenny Tete was enjoying his game because he was, you know, standing people up and flicking the ball past them and, you know, little shimmies here and there. And yeah, just look, you could see the confidence was just oozing out of him. Mm -hmm. He was thinking, no one's getting past me tonight. It's just not happening. Really, really. Yeah, we said it in the preview. We said it in the preview, though. We said, you know, we're, we're we're looking forward to a Kenny Tete masterclass on Mudrick and yeah, we've got one. So, you yeah, never know. Absolutely. So yeah, he's podcast. <laughs> yeah. Might so there you go. The, yeah. Uh, might have listened to the calls we needed for him, but yeah, I'd be in agreement with you, Kenny Tete. Clear, clearly, the man of the match for me, because um, as you said, he was he was absolutely bossed it. Probably the best game I've seen from him in a Fulham shirt and. One to remember what what a game to do it on as well um, against the local rivals. Um, it was really excellent to see, but of course, honourable mentions of, as well to to people like Tim Ream, goal line clearance. I thought he was he was brilliant. Um, didn't really put a foot wrong. Same with Diop there, but their pairing at the back has really become really really kind of gelled together, and I think it's it's one of the main things that holds the team together and and made us more defensively sound, as as you said. Conceding just four since coming back from the World Cup, which I think is really impressive, actually. Um, but look, um, we are we haven't scored many recently, have we? Um, do you think Fulham are in a goal drought, or what do you think? Where, where do you think we can improve going forward in the final third? Because we we seem to have 
not not forgotten how to hit the net, but I feel like we we could be doing better and taking our chances a bit more. Well, I mean, this is a conversation I had with a couple of people um, after the Chelsea game, and basically the way I look at it is we've played Newcastle at their place, who are unbeaten in stupid amount of games. We've played Chelsea twice, we've played Spurs, um, and obviously Sunderland in between. Uh, prior to that, we were scoring goals. So, you know, the way I look at it is we're playing teams that have probably, you know, they've got the quality to hurt us. Um, so we, we've probably been a bit more defensive in those games. Um, mm. So I think now with the fixture list easing on paper a little bit, although, you know, Forest are looking decent now, so it'll be a tough game against them next week. Um but the way I look at it now is that we can maybe not let the shackles off, but be a bit more attacking, have a bit more intent, um, be a bit more direct with our with our with our attacking. You know, try and get Mitrovic involved in the game a bit more because I I just feel that maybe Bobby Reed's been playing more as like a wide midfielder rather than a winger because he's been tracking back so much in the last couple of games. So. You know, we've lost that attacking intent a little bit. Um, also, I think, you know, the, the training before the World Cup, we, you know, we were conceding a lot of goals, but we were also scoring a lot of goals. So maybe we've tempered it a little bit to be a bit more defensively solid and then maybe, maybe nick the game 1-0, 2-1, something like that, rather than having these free twos, which, you know, they're great if you're on the winning side. But maybe that's come into it a little bit as well. So I don't think it's a goal drought. I think we've played some really tough opposition in close, quite closely together as well, as well as having the FA Cup game in, in between. Mm. I think that going forward, heading into you know Forest, Brighton, Wolves, I think are the next three Premier League games. No yeah. Premier League games easy, but I do feel that we'll be a bit more attack-minded in those games, especially yeah. at home. Yeah, I think that's a fair analysis, to be fair. Um, of course, we're, we're playing on paper a, a top, like we've played top six opposition, obviously Chelsea having a poor season, but realistically on paper, you'd, you'd say, oh yeah, they're a, they're a top six to side. Um, so I do agree with you there that we could have it is intent, intentionally being more defensively minded. Because if you if you get on the wrong foot um, against against teams like that, they can punish you quite badly. Um, but yeah, I do think we will um, we'll see what happens, and I think we will um, play a bit more attacking minded come the next couple of games. Um, of course, it hasn't helped that Mitrovic has been um, he's had a little bit of a, an ankle injury, which has been buggering him a little bit. Um, yeah, but... he's he's had it for a while, hasn't he? I mean. Marco said a couple of weeks back that he's coming back to full fitness, but then he took that nasty knock from Eric Dyer. So I don't know what, yeah. whether that, you know, that set him back a couple of weeks or not. But I think, you know, he looked on Friday night, he, he looked a little frustrated because he didn't have someone close to him to help him out when he got the ball. He also, his ball control was a bit, bit missing on Friday night. But, you know, with Mitrovic, he's, he is that guy that, you know, he just needs one or two good chances and he's going to score you a goal. So I've got no doubt that once he gets back on the goal trail that, you know, he'll be he'll be the main man and 
he'll get a few more goals before the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, we shall see what happens, but we definitely need a Mitrovic goal. Um, I think it will re- reignite our, our goal scoring um, come the next couple of games. Um, I think before we just quickly move on, I think we should just mention Chelsea a little bit. We don't like saying that word in the podcast, but I think I'm just going to make an exception this time because I'm hosting this podcast. And yeah, um, they they spent uh, quite a lot of money um, in the transfer window and they went from losing to Fulham to drawing with Fulham, which I think is quite embarrassing. What are your thoughts on Chelsea's um, pretty pretty extraordinarily mad transfer window? Yeah, well, we we touched on it on the preview. We we spoke about it, um, and to me, it's just ridiculous. There's no way in you know, there's no way that Enzo Fernandez, who cost Benfica ten million euros six months ago, is worth 107 million euros now. There's no way that Mihailo Vidrick, who couldn't get Mano Solomon out of the Shakhtar team and take his place is worth 88 million but if they want to go and spend that money and build for the future then you know like Barco Silva said in his press conference you know that's that's up to them they you know if they've got the money they're going to go and do it so hopefully you know now that UEFA have seen that loophole when they've closed that loophole their spending will you know temper a little bit towards the, as we look at the, you know the summer window but but for me yeah it's just it's just ridiculous spending and you know like I, like I said earlier, if you don't have a team, um, then, you know, you don't have a unit and individual quality can only get you so far. Um, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination saying that they're going to finish 10th next season because, you know, they're going to strengthen again. And, you know, the more they strengthen, they, they will they will click at some point. Do I think Graham Potter's the right man? No, I don't think so. I think he'll be gone next year at the latest. Um, but yeah, the spending is ridiculous, and uh, I know you spoke to um, Ms. Arcancella on on the other side pod, yeah. and he he, you know, he was a bit perplexed by it. You, know, you kind of forget when they bought Fernandez, and you kind of forget there was only a few days ago they they bought Midrick in. So mm. yeah, it's, it's almost like one one signing's being forgotten by another, and then you know even Badia Sheila. It, 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 a lot of people are really looking at it going, when the hell did they sign him? Yeah. <laughs> so, Too many yeah, signings, spending's so. ridiculous. It's a bit damaging, I think, to, to football in the transfer window. Mm. Uh, interesting to see what happens in the summer. And interesting to see if they don't make the Champions League. I've, I've seen some articles saying that they could be in trouble with FFP. So. Yeah, we'll it'll be interesting to see. Um, of course, every manager needs time. I think the team do need a bit of time to gel together, but will they gel together? We don't know. Only time will tell. Um, but I'll just conclude that little bit by saying money does not buy you happiness nor success. Um, I think we should probably end this podcast with just looking forward to the uh, to the next games. Obviously, we've got Sunderland in the middle of the week on Wednesday playing the replay in the FA Cup. Um, what, what, are you, what are you looking... I mean, I'm not sure if we'll be doing a preview podcast, um, but... Yeah, what are your thoughts ahead of that game? Um, I know the new boys can't play, so um, I'm hope I'm hoping we're going to go up there because it, it'll be a tough place to go to, uh, and I hope that we put out a pretty strong side because obviously I know Marcus Silva's made it clear that he'd like us to go far in the competition. Um, so yeah, there'll be places for Rodak, I'd say maybe Kearney. Vinicius might play or he might play Mitrovic to try and get him that goal 
bit of confidence back. Um, yeah. I think Wilson and Solomon will come in again. I think it'll be a similar side that that faced Sunderland the first time round, but I think this time we know what they've got. If that makes sense, we know yeah. the the danger people. You know the Ahmed Diallo's. Um, I think Ross Stewart's injured for a period of time, and I don't. He's think out Joe for the rest Gellhart of the season, which is unfortunate. Yeah, and I don't think Joe Joe Gellhart can play either. So I think they haven't got a recognised striker. But they've got a decent young young squad here and uh, yeah, they'll be it'll be a tough place to go to. It always is. Stadium yeah, Rice is a very intimidating place to go to. But you know, we're decent away from home, so hopefully we can we can go up there and get through to the next round and uh, meet Leeds at Craven Cottage. Yeah, certainly it will it will certainly be excellent viewing on BBC One on Wednesday evening. So if any Fulham fans aren't willing to travel the miles it takes to get up to um up to Sunderland, then they can sit at home and and watch Fulham um, boss boss Sunderland, hopefully, because, um, of course, the reverse fixture at Craven Cottage was quite something. Um, of course, next weekend, we have Nottingham Forest, as we said earlier. Um, they're, they're looking more of a decent team now. Um, Steve Cooper's got them going, and they're, they're in pretty good form, obviously won against Leeds today. Um, what, what would you, how would How should we approach that game? Um, looking at it from from this perspective right now, well, you know they're 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 beginning to click. Forest, they've got some really key players, the likes of Gibbs White and Brendan Johnson. I'd say are the two most dangerous players. Um, I think they're a lot better at home than they are away. I know they've won their last five or six at home or something. No, they're unbeaten in their last five or six at home. But I think away from home they are still a bit suspect um i think it'll be a really tough game you know i think i think uh, i think that they're a good side today they showed that against leeds you know they they found a bit of fight found a bit of togetherness and there's there's quality in that team so it'll be a tough old game uh, but hopefully because we're at home and off the back of all of these tough on paper tough fixtures that we've had where we haven't been very attacking you know the the boys will be chomping at the bit to to show off their attacking flair and score some goals. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it will certainly be a more improved performance from Forest, unlike last time. Um, I think they'll definitely show their quality this time, um, especially away from home as well. Uh, but of course, Craven Craven Cottage will be bouncing, and um, we'll we'll all be back in the boys because, of course, any any sort of game with a Craven Cottage atmosphere is is likely to be difficult for the opposition. I'd say. Um, but yeah, as you said, I think it'll be a, a good game, and we'll preview it on a, on another podcast in more in more depth. Um, but I think I think that wraps up pretty much everything everything on the list for tonight. Do you have anything else you'd like to mention before we before we finish? No, mate. No, just um, yeah. Come on, you whites. Yeah, come on, you whites, and I'll, I'll round thing off by um, rounding off everyone's thoughts from the weekend and just saying Kenny Tete, baby. Come on, you whites, and have a great week.